what's really going on everybody back again with episode number 74 before we get into it be sure to actually check out all of our previous episodes we have had some amazing interviews with some amazing folks in different spaces but be sure to follow us on all of our social media that includes twitter and instagram at wrgo pod for the 15,000th time be sure to check out our merch please buy it it is on sale right now at what's really going on pod.com slash shop it's been on sale the whole time be sure to cop this time i am joined by no special guests just my lovely co-hosts henry and mckenzie how are you guys hey what's up how is everybody Yep, 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 yep. On this beautiful Thursday. Here it is. Happy past June. Oh, yeah, I was about to say post June tea. Post June tea. We're going to get into that for sure. So now we're going to get into the food for thought. So one of the biggest things this week uh, was about voting rights. This week, Republicans used the filibuster, which is a tool to block legislation when it doesn't have 60 votes. Uh, They blocked Democrats from advancing uh, their voting rights legislation to the floor simply for a vote. Uh, that bill would roll back recent state voting restrictions in places like Georgia, Arizona, and Texas, expand early voting, and gerrymandering. Uh, one thing that was pretty big was that Biden was relatively quiet about the bill, uh, and activists have been kind of strategically saying that he should have done more. I'm going to pose the question to you all. Should Biden have done more? Yes, yes. And heck, what yes. exactly? What do you mean, which much more? Because It was like- a vote. I don't think even if he would have done anything, I don't think Republicans would have flipped. So like for me, when Trump was in office, he did a very much heavy handed, oh, this bill needs to happen like this or this needs to happen like this or whatever. Biden could have influenced this. I'm just going to say that because I mean, yeah, I agree. He yeah. I stay in Georgia and I know that Kemp and Kemp essentially wrote the bill that he passed in spite of Stacey Abrams and all the like <clears throat> excuse me, and all the growth she like had here in Georgia. So like uh, what governor elections were next year. If we don't get this like passed now, these states are not going to adhere to these like, you know, mandates. So I definitely think Biden needs to like make this a big like priority of his him and Kamala because it doesn't she Kamala was there she was the one who announced the vote (laughs) that's what I'm saying why can't they use their political power as we've seen in the the past president um to influence this bill getting passed I mean I I don't know I just feel like I I do feel like obviously they all politicians can be doing more but like when I saw it, it didn't seem like Kamala, she seemed, because I feel like they were going to, I feel like Republicans were going to block it either yeah. way. Like, They're I gonna really try don't to think- block it anyway, but that's when the bipartisanship is supposed to kind of play and you flip on this and I'll help you out here or something, right? I mean, the funny thing is, I think like what both of you all are saying is true. Like, there was no way this was getting passed in any form. And I think that probably, I think Biden knew that and probably just didn't do anything which is a bad way of thinking, he certainly should have flagged the alarm because I think that then takes away like, you're the president for a reason. Like you are the president so you can literally, it's the bully pulpit. You can basically flag issues that you think are important. So like, I don't really know why he didn't do this. Like not even from like a messaging standpoint, but just like politically, like, do you want to get reelected? It's actually easier to get reelected and to have more people voting if this bill is passed. So like, to your point, Mackenzie, it doesn't seem like it would have happened anyway. So I think there is kind of like this tough position. But to your point, Henry, like he clearly something needs to be done because, you know, black people throughout the South, especially 
literally are getting their voting rights taken away every day. So it's like a tough kind of like, what can you do versus what you should do and what you care about? So I actually don't kind of know how to balance that. I feel like you've been probably putting all of his um, eggs in the basket of that infrastructure bill and trying to get like America on track with the rest of the world, like globally. And I do feel like he probably um, did weigh the infrastructure bill because they just reached a deal on that today. And that was worth like hella, hella bread. So I feel like it was like "Mm, this where I can get like a trillion dollars almost or like having black people vote but i think it's important to know of why <laughs> i think it's fun- i think it's funny though that this this is why like people talk about them being performative because just last week they put the juneteenth as a national holiday and a week later you can't even get his proper voting rights and like it's nope, just ridiculous that, i guess this will become a bigger conversation when we talk about juneteenth because it's like well yeah i'll wait i went on that comment go ahead I was just going to say it's it's like it's always a tug of war with equality in terms of black people, because like you're saying, Mackenzie, we you guys passed this like Juneteenth, the holiday. OK, give them this, whatever. And that's not really no real anything. When but y'all, y'all came together to do that, though, a couple yeah. days later, you won't pass a bill to help us with voting rights. And I'm I, I get confused on what the political propaganda because for me it's annoying when yeah I've always wanted Juneteenth to be recognized as a holiday however my voting rights are more important Mm -hmm. so it's just always this tug of war and it's annoying to deal with especially when my state just turned blue and we have two people in the senate or uh, we have person in the senate person in uh, the house or whatever so it's like when stuff like this bill is not like helping me. It becomes frustrating because I know I did all I could to help you get in that seat. Yeah. What are you doing for me to ensure that my rights are protected and I'm being equally represented? Yeah, no, I think that's certainly a thing. And I think that's something that like they should be held accountable to. Like, why didn't you just do more? Like, that's not a, that's not a heavy ask. Mm -hmm. You could have at least had a press conference about this once. You mm-hmm. had a press conference about infrastructure. You traveled the country for it and you didn't even get what you wanted. You kind of had to do this bipartisan deal. Why couldn't you at least try? Like, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of my main frustration. Um, so now moving on, and we will let uh, our resident New Yorker, Mackenzie, take full stage. So the New York primary happened on Tuesday. Eric Adams, the Brooklyn Borough president, currently leads the ballot with four ranked choice voting at the count of four. Uh, I think New York officials said they will not be able to give a full tally until a couple weeks from now. So we will keep you all posted. Eric Adams, like I just said, is uh, poised to be the first black mayor since David Dinkins left office in 1993. Uh, This race has been getting a lot of attention uh, for largely foolish reasons, depending on what individual candidates have said. So Mackenzie, as our resident New Yorker, uh, what has it been like uh, living in New York during this kind of important primary? Yeah, I actually cover so for work. I actually was covering um the New York primary or like the mayor race or whatever. Um, but I don't know. I hate to say this, but like watching the debates, there was no candidate. And I this is where I guess I kind of see when it comes to like local politics and you know, like getting involved in your community, but none of the candidates really like stuck out to me like all of them were just kind of dry so when I went into the voting booth I was just kind of like okay whatever but as far as Eric Adams I mean he definitely wasn't my top candidate he's very he's 
a former police officer and like oh, he is? I yeah he's know. a former police officer yeah or police chief that was or something question. in the police yeah he's definitely that, former police that was going to be my question to Noah with like you announcing he would be the first black mayor since whomever mm-hmm. yeah what he went to Howard actually, the uh David Dickens. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, David. And he was Alpha. Yeah. It's telling, it's telling, it's giving real Kamala. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, so Eric, uh, but back to Eric, he's a he was a conservative, like I don't know, not not literally conservative, like not a Republican, but like when it Democratic. came to like, yeah, defunding the police or like the real things that we That's what I said, about. real Kamala. Like it's yeah, giving it was very Kamala. just like but he's from Brooklyn. Um, I will say watching it, Andrew Yang. Oh, Henry. You, Henry, if y'all go back and watch. Oh, Andrew was Henry's dude. Andrew really was a fool. He's a clown. But you know what? You know what I will say about Andrew? It's more so what he represents, what I don't like. It's more so like, why don't he doesn't have the experience when he was up there on the stage. He really didn't know what he was talking about. And not to say everybody on the stage was like well-versed, but it was just like, why do you think you can hold office to being the mayor of one of the largest cities in America and have no experience? The largest city. Yeah. Yeah. And have no experience. So look, it's crazy. All of those presidential candidates were trash. We know that. I, I respected Yang's ambition. I respect his business, like work ethic. And I like that he's innovatively thinking, like he's not approaching issues with the same mindset as these like Eric whomever people, these conservative mindsets in which we've done this same problem solving tactic how many times it's not gonna work figure something new out. But I think with him, he just be throwing out cool ideas with no Okay, because they ask him like, okay, so how are we going to do this? Well, we can, well, it's just like, you don't have a concrete one. I can can agree with that. I think he should maybe like focus on like funding think tanks and actually like funding program and- Grassroots, I don't know, start lower. He should be more of a, let's say lobbyist, if anything, so he can like push for certain issues or fund different issues. But him as an actual, like, you know, uh, candidate uh, serving a position, I realistically don't see him doing that. I did respect his millennial spirit and approach. Oh, was- one thing that was different about this election, though, the, the ballots were different. They were, yeah. um, you can rank them. Mm-hmm. I thought that I kind of liked that. I, I mean, like I don't it. know if it really did a difference, but I liked it. It was like first, your first choice, your second choice, your third choice. I don't know why I didn't look into why they did it like that, but I I liked it. So yeah, basically, my, it started. I, it mine is I forget I forget where it started, but basically, like Henry, the premise is like if you have your if you have your number one choice and your number one choice doesn't get in, people are basically thinking about ways in which like who who it's almost I mean the way to think about it, it's like who do you not want to get in? So basically, like if you had your first choice and you had your second choice they count all the first place votes and that person gets like one, how many first place votes, then you tally up whoever the second choice was. And you basically keep adding in points until someone gets to 50. And basically it's saying like, you can be a lot of people's first choice, but if you're a lot of people's last choice, if people don't want to, that actually hurts you more. So So I think it's actually like an interesting way of basically saying like, we're trying to account for as many people as possible to have their voice heard. So if you voted for the person who was 
in second and you voted for all these other people, that vote still matters. Like they're not, they're basically trying to figure out a way to not throw away your vote. So which is, is it like I think, a scale to where it could maybe close a gap? So let's say like the last local election I paid attention to here in Georgia was the governor race between Kemp and Abrams, right? And we know that there was a sum of, you know, 80,000 plus votes that did or did not get counted or maybe just became suppressed. So let's say in this, in that type of race, would it help, you know, clarify? It could, it depends. Like, let's say if, um, and this is like, so in the weeds, let's say if like, if Kemp got 47% of the vote and Stacey Abrams got um, 45, but let's say out of the remaining people who um, voted for a third party candidate, that candidate doesn't win. Let's say all of those people, their second choice was Stacey Abrams. You would basically add that third party candidate's tally to Stacey Abrams and then she would win. So it's basically trying to make sure that everyone's vote, like if you voted for the person who was in second. Vote counts type of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like a vote counts. Um, so that's cool. Actually, that's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, no, uh, that is cool. So we will keep you posted on that. Uh, I did not know that Eric Adams was that conservative. So that's kind of a. Yeah. Yeah, so they asked him, they asked him, you know, about defunding the police and he gave just like some random action. And another thing to note, another thing to know, he was actually in police uniform when they were doing stop and frisk. So he definitely said um, he wouldn't implement stop and frisk again, but like you were there while that shit was happening. Because so. I mean, and um, who was the black woman who actually could win? Maya Wiley. That's yeah. that was my pick. Yeah. yeah. But even her though, it was it just sucked though because it was like she was just it was almost like she was too progressive. It was just like uh, I know they're not gonna rock with you on this because she was really like on that with the police, and I knew like New York NYPD. That's not gonna. They're not going for that. Uh, so we will keep you posted on that. So now on to the big fact, which we just talked about a little bit. Uh, Juneteenth and critical race theory. So last week, Biden signed into law legislation that would make Juneteenth, uh, for those who don't know, that is a celebration when enslaved people in Galveston, Texas, learned that they were free from slavery nearly two and a half years after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. Uh, Juneteenth is now a federal holiday, though I still went to work the next day, but we're going to get into that. And look, um, let's talk about how Kemp... <laughs> can't you can't like he not even recognizing holiday and then it's like 13 of states that where you can't teach about essentially black history we're gonna get into it like what so, so some people believe that the signing is symbolic others saw it as performative we're gonna get into that too um this also kind of coincides with critical race theory which is largely in response to the new york times 1619 project which assesses the legacy of slavery um, critical race theory is something that's being talked about a lot. So here's kind of a little bit of an explainer, which I thought was helpful for myself. Um, the history behind it is that it was created four decades ago by actually legal scholars to examine how racism is embedded in America's laws and institutions. Derek Bell is kind of credited with establishing critical race theory through his course, Race, Racism, and American Law at Harvard University. So it's basically founded in this analysis that says that Law should be grounded in a historical context that racism has disadvantaged largely black and brown people. And, it's, and it is skeptical of legal theories that supported colorblindness and objectivity and racial inequality kind of through the lens of like, this something happens to a black person and it's just a random act, not it's something that is systemic within a system. Um, the context today, conservatives are using it to basically ban every anti-racist reading and teachings in today's classrooms and workplaces. Over the past six months, um, 24 states have proposed bills to limit discussions about race, racism, and systematic oppression. So I think we can start with the Juneteenth thing. 
Um, my actually kind of interesting point is I'm actually really, I found it really strange that they did it like 12 hours before actual Juneteenth. It's like you make something a federal holiday like a day before that just seemed kind of like a lack of foresight to me. I don't know. I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah, it just seemed like, uh, let's just hurry up and get this over with. That's exactly what that just sounded like. Let's just hurry up and get them something. And um, hopefully they'll be happy with this. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like literally when I found out that it was a federal holiday, like I think most, I mean, did you all work on Friday? I did. I did too. <laughs> I could have taken off, but I'm using my day for another day. But I mean, it's so, just- I mean, but, but like just to engage in that, it just, oh, yeah. like, you didn't have the option. You didn't have your employer, most employers literally did not have like- Well, let, let me clarify here. Uh, well, last year, I kind of positioned my firm to recognize the holiday and they did in which they honored that again this year. So good for you. That. Yeah, we could. It's it's a it's a holiday. Like you can take off from work. Um, they started it last year, but I mean, I still worked because I used my day for another day. But um, um, <laughs> okay, you're like what? <laughs> Uh, no, I totally just spaced. No, but back to your point about critical race theory. I think it's really crazy. How how can you, and it's crazy though, because the whole time throughout my experience in high school, I was like, we definitely should have a class that discusses race and like critical race theory, because it's like, so I'm thinking about it from that perspective of like, wow, I'm thinking we should have more of it in school and y'all already trying to take it away. Like, yeah. I don't get it. And it's like the weirdest thing of like, I don't know. It's like people making an issue out of something that's not really there. Yeah. But it's like no one actively is actually teaching about the truth, which is like the weirdest yeah. thing. Like, okay, like, yeah, we should definitely talk about how, you know, people being enslaved created disproportions that are still on effect today. So I don't, and it's like the weirdest thing of where you actually, and there's an interesting interview that, um, what's his name, Mark Lamont Hill does with a person who's running for governor in Georgia who basically said that they wanted to ban it. And he asked him like, what are you trying to ban? And he couldn't even describe it. Basically like- That's saying, what I don't understand <laughs> with that bull crap that Kemp passed and then like other states have like picked up on is you can't teach about, you know, race or the, um, what the Confederacy and all that, but it's like, Okay, well, what are you teaching about America? Because y'all, first of all, y'all barely teach it as is. And I then for you to make it like illegal or whatever for them to teach it is like the little, I think I took one, like I took a Georgia history class in eighth grade and that's the only like black history I learned. Other than that, you learning about some, honestly, my law is not true. Cause when I got to Howard, most of that sh got unraveled. Like it was just poking holes in misinformation. So like for me, I don't appreciate how like, why is there no federal mandates on like minimums? Like you should be teaching about race. You should be teaching about the transition of so many diversities, diverse race coming into America from like religious aspects to goddamn cultural aspects. It's so much. And America wants to be this grandstand of like melting pot, but you don't want to like- Teach I it. Guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's the thing and it's like the sad reality of that the people who are in power often get to write the history. 
and like I don't know I mean like just growing up like I mean for context like you all like you all tell me like growing up it was just kind of like okay here's where you learn about black people it was all during the shortest month of the year and you learned that we were once enslaved people got us together then we were free not really the case we had a little bit of a struggle in the 60s martin luther king came and now we're good obama i mean just like, sum it up just like, <laughs> literally that that i hated <laughs> growing up because of that because i'd like this motherfucker want all the credit and not helping my people for, for real for real so when I got to like eighth grade history and you learn about the Andrew Youngs or the more in detail Malcolm X or the Hosea Williams or John Lewis or whomever. And it's like, oh, dang, he wasn't like they just made it harder. And then they whitewashed all this. Like you remember when we were talking about um, like the Capitol riots and yeah. all the stuff that happened during COVID. And I was like, I wonder how history is going to be written now, how they're going to talk about Trump in history. Is he going to be some little sub like subtext or, is he gonna <laughs> you know, McGraw Hill makes all those history books. Yeah. I mean, like, literally, and it's like, the funny thing is, it's like, if you took what they told us about ourselves in history books, you would think that like we just are ungrateful, like, ungrateful, <laughs> submissive, Serbian <laughs> people. Like I was confused. You like even growing up, I thought I'm like, why didn't they try to take over the boats? It's more of them than the yeah. white. You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. And then you watch a roots or you learn about a. a, a You're a, reading about how evil they really were. Exactly. The truth. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, of what really was going on and why they couldn't overturn. Cause I really did have that thought. I was just, I couldn't, I didn't understand. And you have to think about that's why I'm like, when I, I mentioned my high school, because I feel like my, your brain can only think so far when you're younger, when you don't know. If you're not more, like, critically <laughs> think, critically yeah. think. Look, critical race theory. <laughs> and most people don't know how to critically use their brain to where. Most people just accept what you give them versus yeah. If I told you this sweater I had on was beige your whole life, you're gonna believe it's beige. That yeah. right, blue is beige, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, Until somebody else comes and teach you different. That's why us Black Americans going to HBCUs is imperative. You don't have an option. Yeah, that's a good. Besides point. to go to HBCU for me because you're not learning about your history anywhere else. That's why for me personally, I do get upset sometimes where people are like, "It's enough slave movies and this and that." It's like, well, honestly, what else are we learning, it, bro? I'm okay. I am one of the people that say people. that we I'm got enough slavery. Because no, because they they, they accurate about that part. They leave a part to the truth, but they was they I got that slavery was crazy as hell in the books. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not saying slave movies per se, but I will say more black creatives like the um I can't uh, I can't think of the name of the movie, but Taraji V. Henson, she was in it, and I think she likes. Uh, like produce it or something but essentially it was about this black woman from the south either like north carolina or south carolina who basically made this kkk person like realize that racism wasn't like i'm good i'm good i'm good so how y'all arguing that they don't teach us enough oh no 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 there's a there's a, there's a big difference i think what i am saying is that for me as a black person, a lot of my life experience was not confirmed in school. It was confirmed by how the world treated me and what my parents told me in the privacy of our own home. Correct. There was no general education in our schools about, hey, 
you will go outside and you will not be treated fairly. And that is something that we all need to grapple with. It is literally something of my mother telling me when you walk out the house and you see police, don't act a fool because they might kill you. There's a personal education that we as black people have to have. And with regard to like kind of all of these like now new movies that are kind of like basing off of our struggle, I only have a problem with it because I feel like oftentimes because we were denied so many opportunities, we then overestimate what we need to do. And I think that all of these different slave movies and movies about police brutality, it's just heavy handed because clearly white people aren't changing how they feel after watching us get killed on TV. So watch and I watch that. <laughs> Laugh my, look, I don't. That's how I feel. I'm tired of seeing I, movies. I can, I can definitely hear that. And it's not for white people. And I guess for me, I guess it's like, you're well-educated, Noah. You're well-informed. You like to read. You like to explore. You find these things out. So, like, I hear you on the basis of, yeah, you only learned this through the context of your mother, but you also went to... No, 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 no. Like, what I'm saying is that that's a problem, is that my my life my life experience is not confirmed in schools. And that that, so that's where I'm kind of like, okay, why don't y'all like these movies or this and that? Because, Paul, like, hear me mm -hmm. out. So that my little brother, he's 16, and he grew up in a more predominantly white area than myself. And he has this entitlement of the young generation and then is completely oblivious sometimes to, like, the harsh reality that Black people have faced yeah. or will face in this world. And it's for me personally, I remember my mom making me watch Ruby Bridges. I remember... Mm -hmm remember watching roots or certain things yeah. like you're saying you learn through interaction or your mother had this conversation or whatever to where i'm saying like i gained certain knowledge from film or books i agree tv so that's I think, where yeah. i don't necessarily like the argument that we have enough of that content yeah. and, i think it's you know yeah i think it's two-sided i think for me it's like um I think it's just overkill to the point where I think at, at a certain time, I generally believe that like there That's what is I'm with you at. I mean to cut you off. Oh no, 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 you're good. I, I just think that at a certain point in time, I think it's like for us as black people, we have so many other more stories to tell. And I think we've been fighting for the right to tell our stories. But for us to kind of just sit here and always kind of go back to this like aspect of trauma and police brutality and slavery it's like i know that already but like the reason why we want more black creatives and more black filmmakers is so we can tell stories about black love and other other tragic things that happen outside of the context of me walking outside and getting shot by a police officer. yeah that's exactly where i'm coming from because i just feel like we have enough of that if you want to see that and inform your kids we have a plethora but we don't have enough love stories we don't have enough we don't have enough visuals of us just being us, like being regular, being like, see, because it's a shame that most of our stories when we get to HBCUs, that's our first time seeing other different Black people or whatever. That's a shame yeah. that it took us 18 years to see like a different type of Blackness or whatever when, you know, not to say that a movie would have given us that same experience of meeting someone in person, but just to see that on screen. Like, that insight. And that's why, yeah. I, that's why I was saying I agree with Noah with, with the like, it's a balance to produce, yeah, it is. you know, good, informative, historically rooted content versus producing just general love stories. A, a group of Black kids traveling to Europe or three HBCU students host or three graduates of a particular HBCU hosting a podcast in that journey or whatever. Yeah. You know, just telling, like, I be like that all the time, like, 
and it's it's part it's like access and money because I remember me and my line brother talked about this and we're getting off the topic a little bit but I think it's all integrated it's all, it's all intertwined right but point is like it's an access to money and resources because these like podon lack of better words white films that we see in the movie theaters or whatever they just have bigger budgets and a better producer versus like when it's a you know a, a, a black movie of the same scale they don't have as much money you don't have the funding right so it's stuff like that that plays its part to the mm -hmm. whole infrastructure. But you know what movies do get the funding? The, the slave movies. Slave. <laughs> the slave movies. But that's why, and that's why I'm kind of sick of seeing problem. it though, for real. Because it was like even when Twelve Years a Slave, I was I remember one watching that at Howard for what that Afro American Studies class that we all are say watched it and I was like this movie's a bit much funny enough I watched it going I watched it for some reason I went to go see my friend at Hampton so I used an excuse of going to a volleyball game down there and they played it for us on the Howard bus it was traumatic it was so wait 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 well that's probably the blackest thing while all our way we gonna watch 12 years a slave that's Virginia. But that's what I'm saying. Like that culminates the black experience. Like we can only learn about our history, our culture, our roots through black spaces and to like yeah. put it back on the main point of Juneteenth and the education and the lack thereof. We have to figure out as black Americans a way to better facilitate our history, our culture outside of the realms of like we're saying, um, slave movies. The funny thing is, I think we do that though. No, I'm not saying we oh, don't. Yeah. I'm saying it needs yeah. to be a larger focus on it. Oh, of course, yes. As we just, or y'all just stated, that it, there's an overproduction of Black yeah. trauma. Yeah, I mean, and like my- I'll Oh do. my God, we didn't even we didn't even talk about this this new trauma porn that they're doing, this new Jordan Peele remake of Get Out and like- Oh, uh, Karen? Like, just, just what is going on? Like, it was cool when he did it. Like, he did it. He's making, he's like, obviously, it's cool when he do it. But everybody don't need to be doing this, you know? I mean, the funny thing is, like, when I was thinking about that, I was like, one, I don't know, who who's funding this? Like, I yeah. could have done the job, read that script, and been like, yeah, that's not it. Yeah. Like, I think to what, like, what you were saying, Mackenzie, of, like, other Black stories, like, that's why I think, like, movies, like, as simple as they are, like, movies like girl trip and the photograph and like moonlight are act which I, I love because it's just not mm -hmm. about like it's about stuff that like we can all kind of go ham i'm just saying you said what like a girlfriend's their movie like a like a, a oh a, yeah a, i'm praying for a girlfriend's movie yeah that would be so lit like sex in the city can get a reboot but we can't get a movie Mm -hmm. yeah and yeah. even 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 with um i mean yeah that's a good point actually but even with like i love when we see um shows with kids that want to be a scientist or like just different yeah. things different stuff. like stop giving us the black hip-hop yeah yeah and i mean no shade i'm like all of us don't want to be basketballers like all of like we can do more than you know dribble a ball so that's but that's why i think it's important not only for us to see ourselves but just for other people for those white kids in iowa i like who don't see black people in their only thing of seeing black people is dribbling a ball or whatever i just feel or like, are you getting or you getting whipped <laughs> yeah and that's all you seeing it's like i mean obviously i'm not giving them the benefit of like being ignorant or whatever but like just seeing those images of black people just being regular like we just need more of that yeah so, so good conversation
so going up to the heads up, this is something that I actually found out because I am currently looking for an apartment right now. So I found this personally topical for myself. In June, the federal uh, moratorium is set to expire on uh, rent and evictions. Uh, that nearly protected 40 million people from being evicted, with the highest rates, of course, being in the Black and Hispanic communities. Uh, federal officials are looking to extend the program, but nothing has been confirmed yet. The end of the, the clock is ticking, and rent prices are going up across the nation. So everybody, I don't, I don't know what needs to be done, but I'm looking for a place in D.C. right now, and I might be living at home. So I, they need to get that straight. Uh, another heads up uh, is the NFL and a combination of pride. So earlier this week, Las Vegas, Raider, Las Vegas Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib became the first active player to come out as gay. Uh, this is actually huge for the NFL. Um, a lot of players have actually come out and said that they're happy for him to come out because they know a lot of players who are currently in the NFL and it were in the NFL decades earlier who did not want to come out. Um, in 2014, for example, Michael Sam became the first openly gay player to be drafted, uh, but he was cut and never played a regular season game uh, in the NFL. Dang. Yeah, I remember when that came out. So that's big as we celebrate Pride Month and know that, you know, it's okay yeah. to you and whatever you're doing. So that's... Yeah, representation matters. I don't care what people say. I just think representation matters. Yeah, and and representation matters and black people in DC don't go to Nelly's no more. We need this. We need this. Oh name. yeah, yeah. I feel like I heard that they were shutting down. Wait, what shutting happened with that? Because I see that was crazy. A security guard was dragging a black woman down those stairs. If you've been in Nelly's, you walk in, there's this long stairs up to the roof, dragging her down several flights. What? And then after that, you know, oh, and then some people jumped in. Some of the people, black men. Oh, shout out to the black men. Y'all know y'all be getting bashed. Yeah. But some black <laughs> men stepped in and um started beating on the security, but he was dragging her. Y'all yeah. need to call Donald Temple because that's some bull. <laughs> Donald Temple should already seen what's going on. Well, he probably know. I don't know. But yeah, he probably, I mean, it was all over. It was big. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Yeah, shut that need to be blackies or whatever her name, whatever. I was and here. in the episode, now talking about blackies. <laughs> it was no. a dry joke. My bad. <laughs> it was a dry joke. I'm sorry, but for real. Y'all want to go to Blackies and get you a drink? That don't even Ooh. sound right. That Ooh. sounds horrible. I heard they got that new drink. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Point being, she needs to sue the crap out of them because. She, she is. probably is. I mean, it's on camera. I mean, so. but I think, but I think the thing is, is that I think what a lot of I know queer black people have said to me and is that Nelly's been like that. Nelly's been trash, and that a lot of, you know, yeah. a lot of outwardly, you know, a lot of publicly facing LGBTQ plus spaces are not actually friendly for those people. So like, to be black and brown, I'm here used to like, damn, I can't throw my bros. So, but I he used to tell me like in this. LGBTQ plus community um, that there's like, there's actually a prejudice that exists. Of course. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm thinking, how are you going to be prejudiced against, like you're, you're technically- uh, I mean, you would think you'd be all in community, but I think what most people would say is that, you know, whatever disparities exist in our natural life exist in those communities too. It's kind of like, imagine being queer, imagine being black and queer, imagine, right. being, and a queer, imagine being a queer black woman. There are like level, there's equal it's levels, it is, it's levels, it's it is, levels it's it is. And I think that's something that like, 
pride groups need to talk about. And on that note, we will finish it up. This was episode number 74. Thank you for joining us as always. Be sure to follow the podcast on our social media accounts. No YouTube today. Uh, so be sure to catch us on all of our social media at WRGO pod. Be sure to check out our website. What's really going on pod.com. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, Apple podcasts, SoundCloud, Google play, and Spotify.